Welcome to the first bad podcast that matters. Is that fair to say? Does this one count finally after 10 weeks? Is this the podcast that everyone has been waiting for? I mean, the first 10 weeks we weren't playing any real opponents as a beat. So, um, I thought know. the Chipotle podcast was probably the one they were all waiting for, but I guess this game is, is pretty big. How many how many listeners did the Chipotle podcast get on SoundCloud? Solid 90, I think. Like, no, it was like 130, maybe, <laughs> okay. 100, maybe 140. And how much did the real podcast get? Like 1,000. For real? Yeah. We got 1,000? Yeah. Oh, thank you to the 1,000 <laughs> of you that listened. Um, we'll come back with more fast food talk some other time, but actually now we have to be serious because... We have actual college football games that matter in front of us here in Columbus, Ohio, with the Michigan State Spartans coming to Ohio State on Saturday for a 3.30 kickoff. Game day is going to be here, and everybody loves game day, and they put on mascot heads, and it's crazy, and people hold up signs. Um, so it's a big game, and how do you feel about that, Bill Landis? You have, this is your second year on the beat. Um, yeah. You've covered many games that, going into the games, did not feel that exciting. This feels kind of like thrilling, does it not? Yeah, it'll be cool to, to cover a game in Ohio Stadium that, I mean, I guess the Virginia Tech game last year had some pretty good buzz to it, and um, maybe when Penn State came in this year and they had the black jerseys, it was a, it was nice and people were happy about black it, but when's the, when's the last time, are you know better than I do, that there was a buzz like this for a game in Ohio Stadium? Oh my gosh, um, 2001. Um, I, I can't. No, I mean there's there's been some big games. Um, buzz wise, I mean I think that the Virginia Tech game last year probably was pretty big, just from the standpoint that it was early in the year and you know Ohio State thought it had a very good team, and then of course they had J T. Barrett making his first home start. Um, but I'm thinking like it's not a night game, so I don't want to compare it to any night game. So I'm trying to think. Um, I don't know if that matters, though. I think the doesn't the opponent matter more than what time the game? I mean, Minnesota was a night game. Yeah, Minnesota was a pretty big game too. I just like I'm just trying to think of like some of the biggest games that I've ever covered at Ohio Stadium, and like some of those USC games in 2009. You know, when they were playing the those were the biggest. Those allowed us to ever heard Ohio Stadium. I'm not necessarily sure we're quite at that level yet. Um, I, I think I was at the 2006 uh, number one versus number two game. That one was pretty big. I don't think we're quite at the level. If Michigan State was coming in undefeated at 10-0, I think that, that game, this game just, at least in my mind, feels like it lost a lot of luster when Michigan State lost. I'm not saying it's not big. Michigan State still can backdoor into the playoff with a win, and if they win out, Ohio State hasn't played anybody this good yet. There's a lot of things at stake, but I just don't think that it's quite at the level as it should be because they lost. Have you guys watched Michigan State at all this year? I watched the entire Michigan game all the way down to like the last minute and missed the best part. I've watched it a very, very little bit. Okay, so we're going to have someone on who is an honorary Ohio State beat writer. Um, we love seeing him in Columbus. We will see him this Saturday in Columbus. But he also covers the whole college football world. And so he knows more about Michigan State than we do. And it's Ralph Russo from the Associated Press. Ralph, thank you for joining us. Thank you for uh, having me on. I'm not sure if I know that much more about Michigan State. I've been following Ohio State so much this year. I, as you said, I feel like I'm just part of the Buckeye crew. Um, Ralph, we're going to edit that part out of the podcast, and we're going to bring you back in, and you're going to say that you know everything about Michigan State. Is that cool? Okay, <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> I am a Michigan State expert. There you go. I know the, I know, I know the Spartans in and out. Uh, including what D'Antonio has for breakfast every morning. I like it. We will get into that. I'm sure it's brand flakes. Um, Probably nails. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Ralph, I, I, I do, I'm intrigued by the context you bring, though, because you have seen the Buckeyes a lot this year, and I think for the three of us here that only go to Ohio State games, our view has been Ohio State's good. Um, they obviously have a lot of talent. They're not playing maybe up to their talent. When you see Ohio State and then you go out and see other teams, from what you've covered, how do you think Ohio State stacks up with the other teams and games that you've seen this year? Yeah, I think there's no question that when it just comes to freakish athletes who make crazy good plays, Ohio State is second to no one uh, in the country. And and uh, what I mean by that is, you know, even though they haven't played their best, um, I think there have been very few games where it's all clicked for Ohio State. They have the advantage of simply having Deron Lee pick off a pass against Northern Illinois and run for a touchdown because he's such he may be the best athlete on the field. And and Braxton Miller every once in a while turning around a game. And that's not to say I'm not I'm not sort of trivializing that. That's a huge thing. That is Ohio State's advantage. I think that in some ways the fact that Ohio State hasn't maybe quote unquote played its best has been overstated. I mean, they're still winning most of their games by a comfortable margin. They're they're still again, guys like Joey Bosa, they still have game-changing players and that's the thing that separates sort of the, the teams from 7 to 25 in the rankings from the teams that can actually win a national championship. Where does Michigan State fall in that then? As we've been like projecting the NFL draft and that kind of thing, it seems like the only team in the Big Ten at least that has close to some of those standout players that Ohio State has is Michigan State with a couple of their offensive linemen, with Connor Cook, with Shalit Calhoun on the defensive line. How does Michigan State's talent, when it's healthy, and I know the Spartans have had injury problems, is Michigan State's talent in the same range as Ohio State, in your opinion? Uh, I mean, it, 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 it's in the same neighborhood. Uh, I, I don't think it's on the same street. Um, and and that's a big difference. That's a, well, first of all, that's a, that's a pricey street to live on. I think only Ohio State, Alabama, and a few other teams live on that street. Uh, listen, they, they, again, they, I don't think they have the game changers. And as good as Connor Cook is, um, you know, they've, they've struggled to find a running back who can sort of be their bell cow guy. Now, Berber just had a really nice season at receiver. Uh, he seemed to be sort of separating himself into an elite receiver, maybe not quite as good over the last part of half of the season. Uh, the biggest difference between Michigan State this year and what we have come to learn of Michigan State or what we have come to know Michigan State is over the last few years is the back end defensive guys are just not there. They don't have the corners and secondary players and even linebackers to a certain degree that, that are, again, game-changing players. And it's a huge problem for them because they still are, generally speaking, playing Pat Narduzzi's defense. And Pat Narduzzi's defense is put them corners on the, on the island, take away the run. And when you, their corners are on an island, it's, a, it, it's been an accommodating place for receivers. Ralph, we always talk about how we're <clears throat> kind of stuck in our Columbus bubble here, so I'm glad we have someone on who's got more of a national perspective. And a few weeks ago, people were hoping this game would be one versus two. Obviously, Michigan State lost. Ohio State hasn't played well enough to be number one. You have more of a gauge of, of the national, I guess, interest in this game than, than we do. I know game day is coming. It's, it's ranked versus rank. It has playoff implications. Do people do people around the country, you think, care about this game as, as much as maybe we thought they would a few weeks ago? 
You know, I, I definitely think the buzz is gone. Uh, the, the, the big time buzz that that this is the game where everybody needs to you know, everybody needs to pull up a chair and watch. I think a lot of that is gone. Um, I, I, but I do think for the people who are following the playoff race and, and for and for fans who sort of have a good idea of what this means, it's still as meaningful as it would have been if it was one versus two or if it was both teams undefeated. The fact of the matter is, there's a good chance this game is going to decide the the Big Ten East and hence the Big Ten champion. And the Big Ten champion has a good chance of being in the playoff. Now, if it's Michigan State with one loss, it becomes a little more of an iffy thing. If it's Ohio State with one loss, but the fact of the matter is Ohio State wins this game and all the months that we have now spent talking about what's wrong with Ohio State, what's wrong with Ohio State, that sort of goes away if they win this game. And it sort of validates that, hey, maybe they were just a little bored. I've been bored watching Ohio State, so maybe they're bored playing. When you look at just Michigan State, I think that everybody, going back to just the, the interesting thing that you said about talent and, and the avenues that they live on, um, you know, everybody is kind of waiting for the Big Ten to actually have multiple elite programs in the same vein as the SEC. Is there a certain limit to how good a team like Michigan State can be in your mind without having the Darren Lee-type players on it? And do you think through um, the way that the conference is trending that there is a chance that Michigan State and Michigan being in the same state and Ohio State could all be on the same avenue, or is there only enough room for one in the in the, uh, in the the Big Ten? Yeah, I, I think Michigan and, and Ohio State can be at that level with more frequency. I think with 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 Michigan State. They are such a developmental program that their high points can be great. They can have seasons where they can contend for a national championship. I just don't know if they can sustain that every single year. And I think that their margin for error is smaller. And I think that you might be in a situation like that this year where they are really good, but maybe not quite at the point of being elite. And I think what separates you is, again, crazy freakish athletes and lots of them and they just don't have the ability to get so many of those guys in hence they just you know again the depth and it takes them a couple of years to get to that peak whereas I think Ohio State's able to sustain the peak a little more Michigan State will have more of a little bit of an up and down the good thing under D'Antonio though they're down their values aren't as deep as they used to be so, Ralph, uh, before we let you go here, do you? We know we'll, we'll, we will see you in Columbus. Will this be a competitive game? Do you think? I think it will absolutely be competitive. But what exactly does competitive mean? I, I mean, I think I, uh, my gut is that we are waiting for Ohio State to sort of make that statement game and play a big game. And this, I think, will be that game, a uh, home game. You know, again, this is what they've been pointing to all year. I also think the matchup behooves them a little bit in the fact that they can do some things against that Michigan State secondary. Other teams have, have had success there. And having that be sort of a... Uh, Ohio State's passing game has been spotty, but Michigan State pass defense should be able to rectify that to a certain degree. That opens up Elliott. So I think Ohio State should have a lot have some success offensively against Michigan State, and that means a big game for Ohio State. You know, competitive, they within three touchdowns, yes. They within two, mm, that sounds about right. I mean, it's a 13-point spread, and 14 sounds about right to me. He is Ralph Russo of the Associated Press. He sits next to me in the press box. 
Uh, he doesn't steal my popcorn. He's a fine fellow. <laughs> so um, we look forward to seeing you again, Ralph. Thanks for joining us on the Bad Podcast. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks, Ralph. So I think that the question that we're getting to and the, when uh, you know we get to the crux of this podcast is, you know, in the perfect world of the Big Ten, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan are all very good. That's kind of the goal, and that's when I think the conference would reach its peak. The question is, especially now that Ohio State's next two games are against Michigan State and Michigan, is it possible for all three programs to sustain the types of success that um, you know Michigan State has made a reality for itself and what Michigan used to enjoy uh, for the past 100 years, uh, along with Ohio State having recruiting all the same areas and going after the same types of guys and being in uh, the same conference? Can they all be good at the same time? You know, I think to some degree this is a, a discussion that is similar anywhere in the country. For instance, uh, Baylor and TCU are both very good in Texas right now, right? In the mm-hmm. Big 12, um, <clears throat> they are in a recruiting hotbed. But guess what? Texas stinks. If Texas was Texas, would TCU and Baylor be able to be TCU and Baylor? You know, how often have we seen USC and UCLA both be great at the same time? How often have Florida State and Miami and Florida all been contending for national titles at the same time? Now, they've moved around, you know, Urban Meyer had his time. Bobby Bowden, we know how successful he was at Florida State. We know about the U. But, you know, there, there is, I think, some limit on, at the exact same time, three top programs in the same area being great. I don't think there's a limit on having three very good programs and they, and they maybe take turns being super elite. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, we see that Miami is down right now. And Florida had a dip after Urban Meyer left. They're getting it back certainly this year a little bit. Um, Florida State's only two years removed from a national title. Um, Could we see that? Could that be a model for Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, that all three are good, all three are respected, maybe they take turns being at the top, being elite, but... But none of them completely fall off a cliff, or is or would Ohio State being Ohio State change that dynamic a little bit? I think that this is a very interesting discussion because it kind of weaves back into discussions that we've already had on this podcast and through some of the stories that we've done. And one, we'll go back to which programs are elite, and I don't think that we thought Michigan State was elite when we did it, right? I can't remember how we voted. Yeah, I, I voted yes. Okay, and we voted no. We voted no. Um, the the thing that's interesting to me is that when you talk about Florida. And you talk about Texas, which were great examples. The distinction that I see about that is that Florida and Texas aren't loyal to one program the way Ohio is to Ohio State in terms of high school talent. So I have a hard time of thinking that Michigan State could be competing for a national championship in 2019 and Ohio State's going to be a five-loss team because Michigan State won the recruiting battles in that area during that swing. I don't and, know, but I mean, but you would have said this. Five years ago, you would have said the same thing about Texas, Baylor, TCU. Nobody would have ever said, oh, yeah, there's going to be a time when Texas is fighting to be 500 and Baylor and TCU are national title contenders, right? Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I, I just um, 
The interesting thing about Texas to me, though, is that it's not, I mean, as, as much of a presence as Texas has and will always have in Texas, so many other programs have recruited that state successfully. I mean, Oklahoma, for instance, might wasn't in the examples that you went, but Oklahoma and Texas were good for a very long time together, and Oklahoma's talent came from Texas. So the interesting thing, and I'm not disputing that Michigan and Michigan, Michigan's not recruiting Ohio right now, and Michigan State is taking the players that Ohio State doesn't have room for. So the interesting thing, and the only way that I could see all of them being good at the same time or taking turns is that if Michigan, because Ohio State recruits nationally now, more than it ever has before, and that, in my opinion, opens the door up for other programs like Michigan and Michigan State to come in and get really good players from Ohio. But Michigan also has a national brand that Ohio State has that Michigan State might not. So while Michigan is recruiting New Jersey and California and Texas and the places behind Harbaugh that he has relationships with based on his past, that's also leaving Michigan a little bit more open, too, for Michigan State. So it's possible that Michigan State can recruit Michigan and Ohio and get solid players that fit well into the program. Michigan can recruit New Jersey and California very well, get elite players from those places. Ohio State recruits Ohio, Georgia, Florida, and the places they do. They all kind of have very unique recruiting areas, and I think it's possible that if all of them find the most success that they can in their specific areas, that there's enough talent from where they're getting them from to sustain three good programs. I think we're kind of already seeing it happen that Michigan State's – I don't know. I don't think all three can be good at the same time. I, I guess the, the way it would work is like what you said, Ari, if – those national approaches leave Ohio open for Michigan State, but if you look at the rankings, Michigan State's fifteenth, and the other three are all in the top. The other three, if you include Penn State into that mix, are all in the top ten in recruiting. I think we're already seeing Michigan State slide a bit in the recruiting rankings. Well, but where was Michigan State the last each of the last five years? They were, when they built this team that has been an eleven win team for four of the last. And five I think years. they were in the mid twenties and thirties for the most part, if I remember correctly. And you know, the, the, the discussion I have is that I think Michigan and Ohio State can be good at the same time. Um, I don't think that Michigan State is an elite program, so I don't think that... And based on the definition of what we're talking about here, we're talking about national championship contention, or is Michigan State good right now? Like good like I mean, they are but, right now, or like but, good like elite? But what does... I mean, I would say that Michigan State has been in national championship contention. They are in... It's week 11, and they are in... National championship contention because if they beat Ohio State, they have a path to the playoff. You know, last year they had the early loss to Oregon, but if they had beaten Ohio State at home, and that was a competitive game, they lost to the eventual national champions at home. If they had won that game, they would have had a path to a national championship. But the fact that they're all in the same division makes it hard. But because if Michigan was Michigan right now, the way that we expect Michigan will be within the next three or four years, then there's a solid chance, and Michigan State basically lost that game already, that Michigan State would have lost that game and they wouldn't be in. But I guess the point is, if you're in the same division, if you have three teams that are in the same division and are playing each other every year, there are three losses out there, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Someone of those three teams, you have to distribute those losses. Either everybody gets one, or one team gets none, and somebody gets two and the other team gets one. Okay, so my question is, I think, outside of that trio, would you expect the three teams involved to basically beat everyone else enough of the time that the games between those teams have huge 
playoff implications. That Michigan State can beat Oregon in the preseason, can beat the other teams in the Big Ten and be there. That Michigan can win the non-conference games and be there. That Ohio State is going to go play Oklahoma on the road next year and win so that when Ohio State plays Michigan State and Michigan, huge things are on the line. I think that's kind of what we're seeing right now a little bit. Because even Michigan in its first year under Harbaugh wasn't supposed to be that great this year, and they basically don't lose to anybody else. Their only loss outside of Michigan State was to Utah. And and so what you're saying is I think we're seeing the beginning portions of that kind of happening. Um, I don't doubt that Ohio State will continue to be what they are because of what they've – who they have as their coach, how they're recruiting, and, and what they've done forever. Um, it's whether or not I believe Michigan State. I think the biggest wild card here, more than anything, believe it or not, is Michigan State because I, I have no doubt that Michigan's going to be very good again. Um, uh, it's just whether or not Michigan State can maintain what they have going um, to, in a national perspective. But I, I do think that, especially now, because you're, you're, you're saying dis- distributing those three teams, those three losses, I think there's a fourth game in there too. I don't think we can forget about Penn State, and I think Penn State kind of makes, even if we don't want to put Penn State in the same category as those three teams in terms of national contention, they have to beat Penn State, all four of them do too. But here's the thing. Ohio State's Ohio State. Ohio State's the defending national champion. They are at the moment a cut above. I mean, they're the defending national champion. They're undefeated. They're on a 23-game winning streak. Michigan just hired someone who you could argue is the best football coach in America. Okay, He's going to recruit. We know Michigan's going to be good. James Franklin at Penn State is not Jim Harbaugh at Michigan because no one is Jim Harbaugh at Michigan in terms of a new coach coming in. And then what Michigan State has done over an extended period of time, winning 11 games four out of five years, being back in the mix this year, Penn State is not close to that. Penn State, I mean, that's a Penn State pipe dream at the moment. It doesn't mean they can't get there. But I think in evaluating the future of the, of the programs, I think Penn State is a big step below these three teams right now because there's nothing that we've seen in the proof so far of James Franklin at Penn State that would tell you, oh yeah, they're going to win 10 games a year every year. Whereas Michigan State has proof, Ohio State has proof, and Michigan has Jim Harbaugh. I guess it depends on how much faith you want to put in the recruiting rankings. I mean, that's, that's the only maybe, thing. Yeah. I mean, what I said earlier about Michigan State, I guess, was kind of misguided because maybe I do put a little too much, uh, give a little too much credit to the recruiting rankings. Because, yeah, I think Penn State, it's probably too early to include them in this conversation, even though James Franklin is recruiting at a really high level. Part of it's coaching, too, and I think we've seen some things from James Franklin that suggest that he has a few steps to make in order to be on the same level as Harbaugh, Urban Meyer, and Mark D'Antonio. I put all the faith in the recruiting rank. I think the recruiting rankings are more important than the rankings. Um, you know, at least when you're trying to look at the future. Um, well, then why is Michigan State good when, like you said, they're ranked in the 30s and the 20s? Go to www.cleveland.com/slash. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm not saying. But that's I'm saying the only point is that it's more than the recruiting. There's certainly Especially more aspects to it, but I think James Franklin would be more would be less likely to make those. Recruiting, I mean, those coaching errors when his team's better athletically than the other team, and I'm not sure that's been the case yet. And I'm giving him a lot more slack, too, because he inherited a team that was decimated by scholarships and things. I think it would take longer. Usually it takes four years for a new coach to really get his window, as we're writing about with Urban Meyer and, and the team that he put together now. Uh, I think it might be is fair to say it might take a little bit longer just based on what they went through uh, before he got there. But, you know, if, if they're, if they're going to pull in top ten talent every single year, 
and they're going to be doing it for three or four years in a row, I think there's going to be a time and a place when Penn State is winning nine to ten games rather consistently. And the only reason why they're not getting to 10 or 11 is because they've got to play those other three. Okay, so, so Ohio State is now facing this. What we're talking about, this trio of teams, what they're going to be in the future, they're facing it right now in the present. Michigan State this week, Michigan, the last game of the regular season as always. I wrote about it earlier this year that I think you could argue, and again, Michigan State's not ranked quite as high as we thought they might be if they were still undefeated. But I think you could argue that this is as difficult a finish as Ohio State has ever had in its regular season in terms of they get, we know what the rivalry is. And in terms of how good Michigan is as a team and how good the team the week before Michigan is, this is quite a double dip. Mm-hmm. And when you look at, for instance, Alabama is playing Tennessee Chattanooga this week, playing an FCS team to prepare for their rivalry game against Auburn. People are criticizing Alabama for that. I mean, it's a it's it's not going to affect them with the committee at all. They don't care what people say, and it's a genius move. Yeah. It is a genius move. They get basically a buy while at the same time getting a win while getting prepped for an Auburn team that people before the season were predicting predicting as a playoff contender. Mm-hmm. So this is strategy. So Ohio State, you know, the Big Ten doesn't do that. They don't drop in non-conference games in the middle of the year. How difficult is this two-game stretch as a stretch? How much do you think battling Michigan State this Saturday might affect Ohio State trying to come back next Saturday going to Ann Arbor? Now, this is the regular season, and there's a distinction, but we've seen this two-game stretch already in the recent past. And I think a lot of people, there was a lot of chatter about, wow, Ohio State almost lost a game on a two-point conversion at Michigan in the final play of the game, then had to turn around and go to Indianapolis and play Michigan State for the Big Ten Championship, and how it was so hard to get your team up two weeks in a row. This is two years ago in 2013 when Ohio State was undefeated going into that Michigan game and held on in Ann Arbor and then went to the Big Ten Championship needing a win over Michigan State to go to the national championship. And then lost. And... um, so I think that even though one these are two regular season games, I still think the schedule, especially now that Michigan's way better than that Michigan team was that year, um, is very comparable to just how hard it was for them to do that. Um, so, you know, for Ohio State to go 2-0 and in the next two weeks, it's basically their two biggest rivals in a row, and both are very good at the same time. And I don't think that Ohio State, even two years ago when they went 1-1 in that scenario, had to face two very good teams. It was just rivalry stuff and... You know, leaving it all on the field one week, and then, you know, I, I don't believe that they lost to Michigan State that year, that year in the Big Ten championship game because they were too let down from the win. I think there were some personnel issues there, uh, but just winning both games like that, being two, that's not easy, regardless of how you look at it. I think when we talk about schedule strength, that's what you always talk about. You talk about the accumulation that maybe you win on Saturday against a good team, but winning that game takes something out of you, and then when you come back the next week. Maybe you aren't the the fuel gauge is not back up to a hundred percent. You know, just like it when you play Rutgers and you come back the next week. Guess what? The fuel gauge is back up to a hundred percent by Saturday. Um, emotionally too. Do you think that they, that's another thing? Is, uh, is, yeah. it, is physical, emotional, mental, yeah. game prep, game, yeah. strategy? How much like if you can peek ahead and do a little bit of game planning because the team you're playing is terrible and you know well we can sneak. The coaches never admit to it, 
but we can do a little thing on let's look at Michigan now. I mean, I th- there's a million things that go. And the one thing that I think we should also keep in keep uh, you know reminding ourselves of is that Urban Meyer last year was very open about being apprehensive about the slate of winning playoff games and just the idea that they had to beat Michigan State, you know. Who do they play in the Big Ten Championship? Wisconsin. Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Sorry. Uh, to win Michigan, win Wisconsin, win the two playoff games. He's, well, I mean, he's the only coach that's ever done that and won it because it has only been one year. But just how he was able to um, prepare for each team, he said he never peaked ahead and they were able to do it. And I wonder if just having gone through that with the majority of the team back, if that'll help them in a similar situation because it's going to be five in a row this year if they want to win a championship again. Five. And Bill, let's let's peek a little bit ahead. You know, it's fun to do this sometimes. I actually feel like we've done a decent job of like not going crazy, peeking ahead, yeah. even in, in terms of like, well, if they win this and they win this and they win this. But here's a realistic question I want to ask: Ohio State has Michigan State and Michigan, and if the Buckeyes win both those games, they will go to the Big Ten championship game. They just have to lose one, by the way, to not go. Right. As long as the team that beats them wins this other game. It is not – nothing is locked in. But if they win those two games, we are expecting they will face currently undefeated Iowa in the Big Ten Championship. Iowa finishes at home against Purdue this week and then on the Friday after Thanksgiving at Nebraska. Now, that is Iowa's rivalry game. They've pumped that up since Nebraska came into the Big Ten. We have seen Nebraska. Now, Nebraska beat Michigan State. Nebraska's had a lot of close losses. Nebraska is not Michigan. As we look farther ahead, will the fact that Ohio State played Michigan State and Michigan on the way to the Big Ten Championship if they get there, and Iowa played Purdue and Nebraska, would that be an issue for the Buckeyes if and when they face the Hawkeyes? I think maybe a little bit, but I think the other thing you have to consider is, like, while Iowa is having a very good season and... and, um, they're undefeated. They're in the playoff conversation. They could very well win the Big Ten. Iowa playing Nebraska, I think, is in some ways comparable to Ohio State playing against Michigan State and Michigan, only because I, th- I think the talent levels are similar when you look at the two teams. I know Nebraska's down, but it's not like Nebraska has bad players. Nebraska has recruited fairly decently for what they are. I don't think Iowa's going to go in and roll over Nebraska. Like Iowa's not going to beat Nebraska 40 to nothing and waltz into the Big Ten championship without breaking a sweat. Um, that said, I think certainly it's an easier road. I don't think anybody would doubt that. So Ohio State having to play Michigan State, Michigan, two teams with somewhat comparable talent, two teams are going to play hard, it's going to be very physical, it's going to be very emotional, certainly puts them at somewhat, I think, of a, of a disadvantage heading into the Big Ten Championship when Iowa has to wake up and play Purdue and then play a, what might be a fairly competitive game against Nebraska. All right, one more game in the look-ahead uh, look machine. If Ohio State beats Michigan State, Michigan, and Iowa, will Ohio State be the number one seed going into the playoffs? I believe they will be. Uh, yeah. No, I don't think. Not, yeah, if, not, no. if, not if Clemson wins out. I think if Clemson wins out, which would include an ACC championship win over a ranked and rising North Carolina team, right, who people are, people are seemingly falling in love with, um, I think Clemson might hold off Ohio State for the number one spot unless Ohio State looks like it did at the end of last year in these next three games and beats Michigan State, Michigan, and Iowa by multiple touchdowns. And then I think Ohio State's the number well, one I, seed. But I, I think Ohio State would get a lot of credit if Iowa was undefeated because Iowa's really moving up in the playoff rankings. And if they were to beat 
I think the Ohio State win over Iowa would look better than a Clemson win over North Carolina, even though North Carolina's look good. And it's also, man, I think it's interesting because if Ohio State moves up to two if they beat Michigan State, then I think that you would start seeing the committee's thinking a little bit, right? I mean, you're the expert on this, but like they've been waiting for them to win a game. They won a game, and then they show that that was what was holding them back to a certain extent. And to win three games over three solid teams three weeks in a row – um, that would be a, a huge schedule boost that's completely lacking right now in, in entirety. Okay, and one more thing looking super, super, super <laughs> ahead. Um, this will become a huge story like for 18 hours or whatever after the championship games, before the rankings come out. Yeah. If things go how we think they might go, the question will be, is Ohio State-Alabama going to be a semifinal <laughs> or a potential final? That is where... Is Clemson going to be number one is a huge deal because if things go as we think, Ohio State and Alabama aren't going to be four. Right. So your top three are going to be Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State if those three teams win out. And Alabama's not going to be one. So, you know what? I think you're probably right because the schedule at the end of the year for Alabama, they have Tennessee, Chattanooga, Auburn's not good. Florida and the SEC championship would be a little something. I I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility for the committee to put a one-loss team at number one ahead of unbeaten teams, but I don't think the strength of schedule at the end for Alabama would do it. But that will that is a huge deal just because we've seen Ohio State-Alabama as a semifinal and if they're going to be in it, everybody's going to want to see that as a final. Because if it winds up, and it also would stink if the other semifinal is Clemson-Notre Dame. Yeah. And they've already played. You know? Yeah. Like, would the committee... I mean, they shouldn't. I don't think they would, like... I don't know. It's like, would they mess with stuff and somehow put, like, Ohio State fourth just because they want to avoid... You know, like... Well, because Ohio State-Clemson's not fresh either. No, but it's a it's a heck of a lot fresher than Ohio than Clemson Notre Dame and a rematch of the semifinal. Well, I just last I, year. I just think if Clemson and Ohio State are the two unbeaten teams at the end of the year, I've got a very hard time believing they're going to be one and four. No, I know, I know. So like that's not going to happen. It's just is it possible that a one loss Alabama team could be one, or that you would really jump Ohio, make sure Ohio State's one, and that you have like Ohio State Notre Dame and Clemson Alabama. Because that being, would sell. being number one though is a treat this year. Because I think if you're considering how things were last week and last week's playoff rankings, I think the idea that playing Notre Dame would be the game that all three of those teams would want first. So if you're Ohio State, the difference between one and two could be drastic because being one, you get to play Notre Dame. And I'm not taking anything away from Notre Dame, but I think as a coach, I'd rather play Notre Dame in their third string or second string. Have you heard that before? Quarterback. (laughs) And as the four seed, then I would playing Alabama again in the first round. Because there is going to be a battle. For that fourth spot, like I think yeah. that's that's not going to be clear. Whereas if things go as expected, you're clearly going to have Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State be in. The intrigue's going to be on what are the seeds and what are the matchups. Okay, we had some things that popped up during conversation this week in our normal life conversations that I always scream and tell, yell at you guys to stop talking because we want to save it for the podcast, and then I never remember what it is. What were like the things that we were talking about? Uh, there was something yesterday that you yelled at us and told us to stop, and I don't remember what it was. I can't remember. We were having a pretty pretty heated argument about steak sandwiches like two weeks ago. I honestly can't. I'm just we'll save it for the two podcast. Yeah. Um, Ohio State, Michigan State, Ohio Stadium, three thirty on Saturday afternoon. 
Cleveland.com slash OSU will have you covered on Saturday, before Saturday, after Saturday, and then we get into Michigan Week, and Michigan Week is always fun. So for Ari Wasserman, for Bill Landis, I'm Doug Maurice. Thanks for listening to The Bad Podcast.